no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Just like we never left, eh? <laughs> Back at it again. Back at it again with the lukewarm football takes. <laughs> yeah, uh, welcome back, uh, everyone, to episode 20-something of <laughs> the 40-yard switch. Uh, as always, Woodson uh, is my name, and... And I'm also will be, <laughs> or not also, actually, just just will be <laughs> uh and yeah um been a minute and uh, had a bit of stuff going on in our lives but we're back with um a fair bit that's been going on in uh the football world mainly the premier league but also the football world yeah it's been quite a bit still no still no new manager for newcastle after our last episode though yeah i know which we'll touch on uh in a due due course but the story of the week so to speak Oh, how that rhymes. <laughs> nailing it. <laughs> God, just picking up like I never dropped, dropped it. Um, is Antonio the sports? Firstly, firstly uh, after 10 games and four months in charge, Spurs sacked Nuno Espirito Santo and subsequently, within 24 hours, signed Antonio Conte. Um, your, your first thoughts before we get into... Everything. I just think it's very, very harsh for uh, for Nuno, really. Like he he had them top of the ladder, what like four games ago, something like that. And to be fair, the the signs weren't good, sort of when they were top of the ladder. But I don't know. It seems very harsh. They didn't get the man they wanted, and then as soon as they had the sort of option, they just got rid of got rid of Nuno. So. Yeah. For me, it was like no one wanted the Spurs job in the first place. He like it was no secret he was their twelfth or thirteenth choice. Conte didn't want it either, did he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So initially in the off season, no one wanted it. Eventually, they like it was like I said, no secret that like Nuno was like their thirteenth or something choice. He gets it, and then it's just sort of like the whole the whole time it was just there's sort of this air of like he's just there and, until we get someone better. He, there was no sense that he was going to get given any time to implement a style, any any any, any transfer windows to implement. Like, he, he, I, don't, I never got a feel that he was a long-term prospect for them. Yeah, I, I suppose it's hard to tell whether he was getting a normal backing as a Tottenham boss because I suppose not many managers at Tottenham have had good financial backing. But So it, it will be interesting to see when Conte comes in what, what sort of backing they give him. But yeah... I know what you mean. He he always seemed like the fall guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just think, and I I just think, in, regardless of any context, like sacking a manager after ten games in charge is just like so wrong. Like, like no manager in world football can possibly fix a, what a situation in any team that's sort of stagnating, let alone the situation Tottenham are in, in 10 games. Like, yeah. that's just ridiculous. The fact that they're still in the top, or well, maybe I think they're just out of the top 10 now, but like, the fact that they're, what are they? They're, they're, they're ninth. Like, it's, 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 it's funny as well, like, the, the, the issue with their best player has stemmed from the chairman as well. Like, 
like I don't know the, the the way that Levy sort of treated the whole Harry Kane sort of situation is probably the reason why he's quite dejected at the start of the season and that's fed into bad form. So yeah, and also like Levy is is the one that is to blame for a lot of where the Spurs are. Not like he's the one that does a lot of the recruitment. Like managers haven't been able to bring in the players they want to bring in. Not only because he won't spend the cash, but also because he Levy a lot of the time picks the players. So like essentially Nuno's just been given this with no you know cre- creative input and just being like fix it and that's just like in what world is that going to happen like yeah. like even the best managers in the world Jurgen Klopp's Pep Guardiola's they're given they're like this is who I want this is who I need and the owners thankfully for those clubs have been like okay we'll try and give you it yeah especially with City's case but like yeah it remains to be seen if Antonio Conte now will get the backing that didn't look like Nuno ever got yeah. and also 18 months to turn around this Spurs thing I don't know like, call me a cynical Arsenal fan but like that's that I will be shocked if that happens I just it's, it's just it's just a terrible move and, and it's, it's not gonna work and I think we're speaking off air about how they brought in Jose Mourinho who was quite clearly not at the height of his powers when he got sacked by Manchester United and they brought him in in place of a good young manager in Mauricio Pochettino. Terrible decision. And this just seems like the exact same situation. Like, Nuno might be struggling at the moment, but if you just give him a bit more time to sort of try to do a few different things, he probably would have come good. Yeah. I feel like when you look at Antonio Conte's record as a manager, he just comes in for a very short amount of time. It either works or it doesn't. Yeah, and then he leaves. And also, like everyone, like I saw a thing. It was a stat on some so- uh, soccer page the other day. It was like came into seventh place, Juventus won the City R. Came into tenth place, Chelsea won the Premier League. It's like, yeah, those teams were stacked and we just had and and just had, I don't know, managers or just like 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 I think Chelsea had a Premier League hangover. Like they'd won the Premier League, so they just had a squad that won the Premier League the season before, and then they were. Just I don't know, had a massive hangover slash Hazard wasn't playing very well yada yada yada. Juventus, everyone knows how good that team was with Pogba. That must have just been a, just a poor managerial situation, and like it fixed itself. Like the, he's come into these teams, and also Inter. Inter finished fourth, and then he won the league with them. So it's like Inter that, that's fourth, and that Inter team, what I think they signed Lukaku and one or two other players, and yeah, like like the the bones and the structure and the culture were there to create winning teams in all of these teams. They just needed a, a guy to just, you know, put the last piece of the puzzle in. Exactly. Spurs have half the puzzle missing right now. Like, the jigsaw is, you can't even make up what the picture is. Yeah. To do a very... And, 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 <laughs> and to, to continue the analogy, and you can't buy the piece either. Exactly. Because <laughs> he's very, it's very unlikely that he's going to see the backing that he had at Chelsea or, or Inter Milan, for, for that matter. Um and if you look at it as well, Inter Milan have had to just ship most of their first team because of the financial situation that essentially he left them in. Yeah. So, yeah. And like he's gonna and and I saw a quote where Ephemera, it's like, I'm I'm so glad to be joining a club that has like the ambition to be a protagonist again or some poetic bullshit. But like, I don't know how much ambition he's gonna see from Dan Levy. I think he's he's been thrown a lot of cash in contract terms and there's been a lot of talk about how you know and like he's also like probably been lured in by like the spurt the size of the Spurs stadium 
and like how much their global brand has risen in the past few years, which it has. But what he's not probably been made aware of is how is like that, you know, he won't get the same backing he had at the past three clubs he's been successful at. And the club and the squad he's taken over is nowhere near the level of Juventus, Inter or Chelsea. Yeah. Like not even I th- close. I th- I think you'd probably know that, but yeah, I like I agree. Like he's he's not gonna be able to he's not gonna be able to come in and fix it and yeah, it's 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 just definitely not gonna work out. Yeah. I can't I can't see it. I can't see it working out well in, no. in any way. I think the the big thing for Conte has always been this like three five two formation that he's sort of almost sort of made popular. Like he worked so well with Juventus. I just don't see it working. I see with the players like they've got the wing backs, but they don't have that spine of the team. They don't have Chiellini. They don't have Andrea Pirlo and Pogba in, in the midfield. Yeah, so. I was going to say the same thing. I was going to be like. Yeah, the, the the a wingback system would benefit the wide players and probably benefit like Son, Kane, and Lucas or Bergwijn up top because those guys I reckon would work well in that. But like like you said, the spine, the three central defenders, and the central midfield pairing, like Hoiberg is decent. Uh, uh, he's good. He's good. He's a good player. They haven't got anyone who's shown consistently that they can play next to him. Like Winks, not good enough. Skip, not good enough. Indomble, incredibly inconsistent. Deli Alley, not good enough. Pretty much he's probably gone now. Uh, and then yeah. your centre backs, you've got Romero, who no one knows if he's actually going to be Premier League standard yet. Uh, you've got Eric Dyer, who's just been bang average for a long time. Davinson Sanchez is, again, incredibly inconsistent. Can look really good some days and then can be a mistake waiting to happen other days. And then Joe Rodon, who's, like, solid, but not really a caliber of a top-six team centre-back. Yeah. So, like, he's going to have to invest at least, like, four players, probably. Two centre-backs. Oh, maybe three. Minimum three. Two centre-backs and a midfielder, probably. Yeah. And, like, that's, that's going to cost... I don't even know how much, but... Yeah. To, to be fair, though, if he can bring in two centre-backs and a decent central midfielder, good box-to-box midfielder, then things could start looking all right because they do have the strengths in the um, in the sort of counter-attack, yeah. um, that facet of the game. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know. There are parts of it that seem like it could work, like these wide players and that fast counter-attack in Son and, and Harry Kane, but... It is very shaky. There's the thing, like Spurs' squad, everyone was saying, like, just before the start of the season when they signed Emerson Royal or whatever, everyone's like, Spurs' squad on paper, brilliant. But that's the thing. Like, it's not. It, like, it, it, it's, it, it consistently, since Pochettino has left, has just let, has, like, underperformed, essentially. Yeah. I, I say underperformed, underperformed in the eyes of everyone else. For me, that squad is, is like, no better than sixth. Like for me, compared to like, like the top four, then you look at Leicester's team, and then you look at like Leicester's probably got a better squad. Yeah, Leicester's got a better squad, and then at the moment, I'd argue West Ham squad is like maybe not the maybe not the forward players, but everywhere else is on par to better than Tottenham's team. And then I'm not going to go into Arsenal com- comparisons <laughs> because I still think like regardless. But um, what do you think? Um, what do you think Harry Kane's thinking right now? I think he's been think, convinced. I think he's 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 happier than when he when than probably happier because he's got a manager that's proven winning things. Like no disrespect to Nuno, but Conte's got the resume. Yeah. But I also think he'll know that this is not going to happen overnight, 
and that by the time they get ready to be challenging for Thingers again, he's going to be in his 30s. Yeah. He's 29 now. 30, yeah. Yeah, and like... If it works. Yeah, if it, if it works and they're in, in, in 12 months, they're pushing top four. That's not saying they're going to be winning the league because I don't, I, I, they're so far off City and Liverpool and Chelsea at this point. Then they could, yeah, like I agree, they could get into the Champions League and make a push, but they're over the course of a season, the difference comes comes out. And also, like it's you know, on like I'm not sure if you saw and everyone else listening saw that thing where it's been like it was the other day. It was five thousand days since Tottenham last won a trophy. No, I didn't see that. Yeah. Um, Maybe on Arsenal Reddit? <laughs> yeah, it was on Arsenal Reddit and then it was on Sky and stuff. Um, probably from... Because there was a website that's like days since a Spurs trophy and it was counting the days and it's got to 5,000. So yeah, I think it's 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 well known that Tottenham haven't won, haven't won a trophy since their League Cup victory in 2008. And like before then, who knows how long it was. And that's not even like... That's, that's the trophy they won. It's like... The League Cup. So it's like... There's going to be an incredible push to get trophies like even if it's just a league cup they're gonna they just want some sort of silverware and I think Conte might be able to deliver that in an FA Cup or a league cup or something but and like maybe that make gives them like this This is I'm, I'm trying to look at it in like a as a situation where this where this does work like sort of like a best case scenario or not best case but like a realistic best case scenario is that Conte within the 18 months has won them a league cup or an FA cup uh, and then he gets an extension and, and gets to invest yeah, and, the, and back into top four and then get, uh, then he gets the chance to really invest in his squad and then they can maybe start thinking about pushing to challenge for the Premier League and try and make Europa League or Champions League runs but like to do anything more than a league or FA Cup victory in 18 months is really t- pushing the boundaries of imagination yeah. in my opinion yeah it's yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out, and I especially the, just like the way everything goes. I don't want to say these days, but <laughs> there is just you know when things you get a couple of games wrong and the pressure mounts up like yeah. that. The media frenzy is ridiculous. Yeah, and it will be it's well documented that he leaves clubs pretty quickly. I think his his longest um, coaching spell was at Juventus, and that was I think just shy of three years. The rest of them are like yeah. even even early. Like so, sometimes you see managers have like a long spell with like a small club early. He was moving around the Serie A and Serie B. Um, he's 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 a playboy of, a ma- of the managers. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see. How it yeah. Goes. Uh, so yeah, well, and and like, per, on a personal note, I hope it blows up in their face. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, to be honest. I don't want to see Spurs top four. No, neither do I. No, no one wants uh, to see that. <laughs> All right, uh, from one managerial situation to another uh, is the interestingly developing situation in the north of England. All the way up north. All the way up north. Uh, Newcastle. Some names really kind of came out of the woodwork out of nowhere um, recently. Una Emery. Yeah, I was very surprised when I saw that. Yeah. I saw that name pop up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it didn't work out well in the end at Arsenal. I just don't think he's that. I think he's a good manager. I just don't. I just think the situation. It just. It was just a concoction of him not quite being good enough at English yet. Slash, like there was just a massive amount of pressure. Slash, he wasn't really given back like financial backing. But like, yeah, like the situation was just a bit, which just wasn't aligned for him. But I think he's a good manager. 
He's he's done he's done very well in Spain and in in the Europa League. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think as we were speaking about the other week, Newcastle have to get this right. Yeah, and have to make sure that they don't waste any time in terms of building this up properly. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think it's it's, it's shaky. Yeah, so like Sky Sports reported the other day that it was, and then like who knows if this is true or not, but like the the race for like the the odds race for the manage for who's going to be manager of Newcastle was down to Eddie Howe and Unai Emery, and then obviously Unai Emery has now announced that he's going to stay at Villarreal, which would suggest that Eddie Howe is the front runner. But then there's been no reports that if he's out, then Eddie Howe is surely going to be the guy. But the fact that Eddie Howe's name is still floating around surely means that he's in with a shout. Um, do we do we give anyone else a, a, a chance at it? Graham, Graham, like I know we've talked about Potter off air. Well, I think I think he's a good manager, and I think it would be a gr- a great appointment in terms of doing this build properly, as I was just talking about. But I don't know. I I, I haven't heard any rumors, and I feel like a lot of these times these rumors have yeah have the weight to them. So because for the Frank Lampard rumor was was pushed by Sky early, like early on, like a, like you know a couple of weeks ago, and that seems to have faded into obscurity. Hmm. And then I don't know. Like I hadn't really heard much about Eddie Howe until the other day when I saw it on Sky. So I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. But, I mean, to, to be fair, it's been, it's been hard to follow exactly what's going on with this. Yeah. And there's just... it's. I think it's very hard for this, this consortium that's taken over because there is no real clear... Because they obviously want someone who's a bit high profile. Eddie Howe is obviously not that. Yeah. And that's maybe why there's not too much sort of momentum to these rumours. But again, I think someone like Eddie Howe or a Graham Potter is, is a very good, yeah. very good pick for it. Especially for a team that is like predominantly English at the moment they probably want to invest in some foreign talent but for the moment like it's a very English Irish Welsh team with a couple of South American and African players oh no South American players sprinkled in there and then answer maximum um, the man the man <laughs> but like yeah I, I don't know like, it's like in the meantime like they're losing games Badly, like they lost three 0 to Chelsea on the weekend. They lost the weekend before. Like, like they have to f- figure out this out quickly so they can get, you know, a, a system in. Because like the moment the caretaker coach, I don't think he's doing anything really. He's just yeah. standing there while Newcastle lose games. So they need to, they need to sort it out quickly. And I I agree. I think someone like a Eddie Howe or a Graham Potter would be good because they know the league. They uh, have worked with the similar caliber of the team that Newcastle currently is. Exactly, but they're also ready to take that next step. Yeah, I think yeah they're good in the short term as well as in the long term because they've they've shown they've got experience of doing getting the job done with a group of players that is not that good by Premier League standards. Yeah. Um. So yeah. But they they definitely want a big name, and I feel like that's going to be yeah that's going to be something that they probably I just I just yeah like thinking back to like play the guys we said in our Newcastle episode like Lucy and Favs and Ernesto I don't Vab- know what happened with and them. yeah and, and and like I don't think they ever were going after Ernesto Valverde but like guys like that I don't know I just maybe like the Newcastle job just isn't that attractive to them I don't know like like it's just because it's it, at the moment they're in the relegation zone I'm pretty sure uh, and it's it's dire yeah they're they're second last so. 
Yeah, it is one thing moving to London, yeah, and another thing moving to Newcastle. Yeah, and someone <laughs> when, was like, when, when you're from the it, mainland, Una Emery had a language problem in London. Imagine how the language problem he would have trying to connect with the fans when they were like, "Why, hey man, playing good football down a week, but what the hell was he talking about?" I feel like people in Australia can't even understand that you mm. speak English. So, yeah, yeah, they watch Geordie Shaw and they're like, "The fuck is going yeah. on?" <laughs> I love it, but I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, uh, we'll we'll follow that situation as it as it progresses over the next few weeks uh, as we return to our regular scheduled programming, and hopefully for Newcastle's sake, it gets resolved sooner rather than later because the last thing the consortium needs is for Newcastle to get relegated. <laughs> I mean, imagine if it happened. Imagine it would be, it would be, be absolutely diabolical. Scenes, absolute scenes. The thing is, there is ju- there's just enough football after the big win, the January window, mm. where they'll bring in maybe Luis Diaz. Yeah, and oh, Luis Diaz. Apparently, that's that's the big rumor. That's the big rumor. Which is really Fuck, disappointing. Him and Saint Maximan on either wing. That is disappointing <laughs> for you. But um, yeah. God damn, uh, that would be. I mean, that would be great for the neutral. But yeah. Anyway, moving on, we've got uh, so often a, a, a saying around the league is that um, after the league table after ten games is pretty much how the league table will look, not in terms of like where the teams are, but the teams that are in it, how the is how it will shape up the top ten and I guess the bottom as well, but most of the top ten is how it will look come the end of the season. It's sort of like a good sort of. Barometer. Barometer, exactly. Thank you. Uh, for how the league table will look come the end of the season. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the league table, focusing mostly on the top 10, but we'll go through all, we'll initially go through all the teams. And then we'll sort of just give you our thoughts on what it's been like up to now, and then we'll uh, give you some predictions about how we think it may change or stay the same come the end of the season because one thing we didn't do I don't think well, before the season started is I don't think we did um, predictions we didn't say who was going to win the league we didn't say who was going to be a surprise team that you know surprises everyone so we can sort of give them now sort of like right. our way too late uh, a third of the season gone predictions anyway so starting off um, we've got Chelsea uh, currently leading the league by a game three points ahead of Liverpool Um yeah, after like two or three weeks after I said it was a two-horse race between City and Liverpool, <laughs> guess I guess I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting that um, yeah, City slipped up against Palace, mm. and you absolutely love to see it. But yeah. yeah, I mean, very very consistent as they were last season. Now Chelsea, and that's starting to show uh, under Tuchel. So. They're probably going to be up there. Yeah, they'll be up there. I, I do still. I have question marks. You still think it's a two-horse race? No, 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 too, no maybe not. But I, I have question marks of them <laughs> against big teams. Yeah. Like, against Liverpool, when Liverpool had 11 men, they looked rough, and then, obviously, they just parked the bus for a half. Against City, they were dominated, despite only losing 1-0. And they have, and, like, yeah, they beat Arsenal, so what? Arsenal's not a big team anymore. Um, but they haven't played United yet, um, and I know United are a bit of a shambles right now, but it'd still be interesting to see how they go. Um, I don't think they've played West Ham yet, and I don't think they've played Brighton yet. I th- I actually do think over the course of the season, Liverpool and Man City will will pull away. Mm. Well, yeah, we'll get onto that in a, in a second. But um, yeah, so then obviously in second we've got Liverpool. 
Uh, and then two points ahead of uh, Manchester City in third. West Ham, something we'll touch on in just a second. It's surprise packet in fourth, or sort of surprise packet in fourth on uh, equal points of City. United, uh, languishing in fifth. <laughs> um, Arsenal, surprise, surprise. Uh, equal points with United equal in sixth. Equal points with United. In sixth. Uh, well, hey. Uh, Wolves, after their torrid 0-3 start last on the ladder, have come up to uh, seventh. It's quite funny that Arsenal who were, and Wolves, who were 20th and 19th after three games, uh, are now sixth and seventh in the Premier League. But, I mean, the difference was that Wolves <laughs> were actually showing so. I remember we, we were looking at oh, the yeah. stats and it was like... After two games, they've had 50, 50 shots and yeah. scored zero. Goals. And I, I made a whole thing on the podcast about how, like, when you watch Wolves play, at least there's something to like be happy about. Yeah. But when you watch Arsenal play, like, we just look shit. And then anyway. you got more points than actually. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, then eighth, a team that, like, I think a lot of people going into the season thought were underrated, but no one had them this high. Brighton are in eighth. Uh, Tottenham in ninth, uh, one point behind Brighton. Uh, your boys. Clinging on to the top 10, despite your umpteen injuries. I'm <laughs> fucking That's it, mate. Uh, Leicester, after a poor start, slowly climbing, the, climbing their way back into the top 10 in 11th. Brentford, the team that a lot of people picked to be the best of the promoted teams, uh, in 12th, two points behind and Leicester. They ha- and they have been. And they have been. They have been. They wavered a little bit last few last few weeks with three losses on the bounce, but up until then... They've been really good. Uh, beat Arsenal, beat West Ham, drew to Liverpool. Been very impressive. Uh, Crystal Palace again had a rough start, had a tricky start to the season, but and have had also had a lot of draws. Their record of two six and two is interesting. I think Crystal Palace is a team that have played better than their position on than their position on. Yeah, the I agree. Patrick, I, I had my doubts about Patrick Vieira going into the season, but I think he's done a really good job so far. They should have beat Arsenal when that game that we watched against Tottenham was dominant. Yeah, when they won that one, and they, yeah, they just beat the City. So, yeah, I think yeah, like, like I said, yeah, six draws probably on another day could have gone a different way. Um, Southampton, a team who I picked to get relegated, uh, somehow still finding a way to prove everyone wrong. Uh, are in 14th. Villa have really not been at the races, uh, and I picked them to uh, be, in, in, be quite high. I, th- I, I think we all thought it would like yeah the, with the, the signings that they made money and, yeah. and they sort of showed quite a bit last season. Danny Ings, I don't think he's been terrible, but he just hasn't been at the level that or doing the same thing that he did uh, so for Southampton last yeah. year. Um, no, I agree. I think they've been disappointing. Watford. Uh, Kind of, they've had a, one or two good results, but kind of like around about where I thought they would be, like in, a, in close to the relegation zone. Leeds, very disappointing, very disappointing in 17th. Um, we'll get we'll touch on that in a second, but we've touched on that before. It seems that they just have one way to play and it's kind of been figured out a bit. And that happens with all of these teams that do well after they get promoted. Yeah, it's the second season slump. It's really hitting them. Burnley. That's what it's called. <laughs> um Finally, seem to it's their their issues have come home to roost and are in the relegation zone. Newcastle, as we touched on before, a second last, and poor old Norwich <laughs> look destined to be uh, yo-yoing once again back down to the championship. I just I just don't get that. I mean, I th- I surely Farker's got to got to go now. But like I think like he's so good every time they go back down to the championship. Like like they like he goes down to the championship yeah, and they true. kill it. Maybe you hold on to him and then. 
Yeah. And then get rid of him when you get back into yeah. the Premier League. I don't know what happens, but like he's he, they're so good in the championship, but he just doesn't seem to be able to cut it in the Premier League. But, so, some takeaways from the first 10 games. Uh, the first one I want to go to is West Ham. I thought with European football that... Like and also going into the, going into the season, I thought their squad depth wasn't was their team was good, but their squad depth wasn't amazing. And they signed a couple of players to their credit, but to be fair, some of those signings haven't played a whole lot. No, and it's just been the team that they have. But like, yeah, they've been really good. Like they've been really good, and I can't really fault them. Like, I think like a lot of it, like Moyes has done well, but a lot of it's come down, I reckon, to the captaincy of um, Declan Rice. Yeah. That guy is obviously in great form at the moment on the pitch but yeah you just see all these little things um on social media he just seems like a good yeah guy, like a just a good feeling around the squad and like when There's definitely that at west ham right yeah now. and he's like and like when like as currently because like mark double hasn't retired yet he's like the the club captain but because he, he's not quite at the level Declan Rice plays but like you just see that like when Mark Noble retires and Declan Rice finally is given that full mantle then it's just going to be like mm. if he doesn't leave it's could really be like a driving force, you know, as they push into well at the moment they're in the Champions League spots. Yeah. And also another thing to I touch mean, it's on it's just such an important position that, that yeah. he's just nailing it. And and another thing to point out in is not not only are they fourth in the Premier League and I thought they were gonna drop out of the top ten with their their schedule, they're also first in their Europa League group as well. I'm not pretty really. sure they're undefeated. So like to be winning on both fronts and to be like yeah fourth and fourth in the premier league uh, and like beating good teams along the way um yeah i don't know like i just i didn't see it coming and i've been proven well yeah. and truly wrong well I, I think i said the same thing as well like it'll they'll find it very difficult when they've got um sort of all the all the fixtures to deal with with european football but i mean it still could happen to be fair yeah. it is 10 games into a to a 40 odd game season so true but like you know the 10 game thing <laughs> often rings true um the next thing obviously we need we've talked about at death a lot but it's worth noting is just despite the fact that they're still fifth united have not been what we thought they would be oh we kind of, we kind of did worry about their midfield going into the season and that has that worry has turned into I think just you were more worried about it because i was high on ronaldo excited. yeah I, I was I was a little bit hesitant to say that they were going to you know push for the league because of they signed Ronaldo and Sancho and stuff. Um, I'm not going to say I was proven right because I still thought they'd, I still thought they'd be way better than they are. But yeah, like we've we've talked about it in episodes a couple of weeks ago and after they'd lost some games and I think when we had uh, Josh on. But yeah, they're, they're just not good. Should they should they go for someone in the January window? A centre midfielder, absolutely. Like, like there is no time like the present, and you got to fix is that it, midfield it, sooner rather a, than later. Is it a big money signing in January, or is it like a a stopgap? A stopgap, you know, that will eventually probably be used as a rotation in maybe like two or three windows. I just think they need. I'm not saying get this person. They need a Francis Coquelin type. Yeah, yeah, a guy that literally like he doesn't need to be overly technical with, but just like plugs the gaps. Like, like, you don't need to go sign some Declan Rice type right away who's, like, really good defensively think, but cannot ha- but ha- does it all. You just need a guy who sits in front of that back four and doesn't mean you're getting carved open every week. I think at this point, Kelvin Phillips is the better option. Because Leeds, like, Leeds are doing so badly. Well, yeah. One, because... Uh, 
Yeah. One, because Leeds are doing so badly. I doubt he'll leave them in January just because he'll probably try and keep them up. Yeah. But once he once they get relegated, I just feel like he... I mean, Bryce has probably got this as well, but he just can play that break play-up role. Yeah, absolutely. As well as he can play a box-to-box No, I role. agree. If Lee, And also, yeah, if, if even if Leeds don't get relegated, if they're like, you know, 15th or lower and United come in with a good enough offer, like... Uh, if I was him, I know he's got loyalty to Leeds with Granny Val and he came up through the juniors and everything, but like you got to do what's best for your career at some point. If, um, it, if he leaves them in January, they're, they're absolutely buggered. <laughs> yeah, Leeds, yeah they're, yeah, they're cooked. They're absolutely cooked. But yeah, United, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not usually an advocate for you know splashing the cash in January. I don't think January signings generally have that much of an impact or are, like generally end up turning out that well. But in this case, like that midfield... Like even they like they drew two all against Atalanta yesterday, but like could easily have lost that game as well. Like yeah. and like it's Ronaldo bailing them out every week, and he's not going to be able to do it all season. Yeah. Like oh, I say that now. Imagine. Just just on Ronaldo, how incredible has Ronaldo been? Yeah. I was watching a little highlight package. That's just like this is incredible. The man's how old is he? Thirty six. Thirty six, turning thirty seven pretty soon. Like it's it is just incredible how good he is still yeah and like just and like, i thought he was just going to be like a poacher but you look at the some of the stuff he's oh done. yeah he's making goals out of nothing like he that is... volley to equalize against atlanta is just a ball on the edge of the box and then he just makes something out of it yeah yeah so, yeah and as you say not usually a big advocate for january sort of transfers but it's that stark and everybody knows it at yeah this point. and also like i'm like a i don't think ronaldo can do it all season. Although, you know, if I now I'm saying that, watch him, watch him score like 30 goals this season because why not? But B, they're they're one injury to Ronaldo away from just like being done. Like if Ronaldo is not scoring those goals for them, it just means their attack is less potent than it usually is. And then that means they like, you know, because offense is the best form of defense or whatever. Like, it just means that they'll have more and more pressure on their already shaky defense and non-existent midfield, and it'll just be even more of a shit show. But that's the thing; it's like even with Ronaldo bailing them out and playing so well, like they're still like they're not doing over, like that much. It's like, it's it's kind of bittersweet because it's well, it's it's good for you now, it's good for Ronaldo, but it's not really that great for United yeah. because Ronaldo's getting good personal stats and keeps pushing those up, but. Same time, United have to hold on to Ollie. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, and like, yeah. Speaking of managers, like we were before, that's another one for another day. That like, yeah, I don't know how much longer he can be in a job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on from that uh, runaway train of disaster. Um, Brighton, do we talk about Brighton next? Yeah, I feel like yeah, like they've like, like I said, I, I I think I did like a Premier League prediction thing we did with our with our friends before the season. I think I had them like fifteenth or fourteenth because I was like they won't they'll be like just they'll be as good as they were but like you know I just don't see them pushing past a bunch of other teams that I put before them. I can't, but I can't remember where I put them. Maybe yeah, it's it was lower mid table though. Yeah, not relegated, but not but something relegated. I guess me and you didn't consider is the fact that like all it needed to take was for them to just convert on their insanely good XG, and they would be up in the top half of the table and that's what's happened essentially yeah I just think 
I think I've spoken about it before on the podcast, but I do think that Graham Potter is probably one of the one of the better managers in the Premier League at the moment. Absolutely. Brighton Brighton don't have that good a squad. They lost one of their well their best centre um centre centre half um, yeah. in in the last um Who's game. doing amazingly by the way. <laughs> He's stepping up a little bit. Um but no, he, he is doing amazingly well given the pressure that comes with playing a, a team like Arsenal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, j- just j- just to do what what Graham Potter's doing, I don't think he gets nearly enough. Um, what do you call plaudits? Yeah. Credit. Credit. <laughs> I don't know what plaudit is. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm just like looking. At, I did a bit of research on his like um, on his managerial career. He did he did quite a, like maybe like five years. Sorry, seven years. At a at a team in in Sweden, and he brought them up from the fourth division to to the Europa League. And Swift, I'm assuming Swedish first division as well. Yeah, that is yeah. that's actually nuts. That's like Eddie Howe or with Brentford. Oh no, but uh, uh, what are they? Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's another. But one. like, so, Eddie, but, but Eddie Howe never made took Bournemouth to the Europa League. That like that's wild. Yeah. So yeah, he, he he took them yeah from the fourth division to the top division. I think it was in Sweden. Here. But um, and then got them through the Europa League qualifiers, and yeah, I just think beating Arsenal along the way. Did you say? Yeah, yeah. at the Emirates. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think, and I hate to always go back to United, but I do think he would be a good shout for the United job if if Ollie were to leave. Yeah, because but I also don't see United going for it mainly because it seems like a Moyes. Yeah, and it's not quote unquote like a big name. Yeah, but another thing, I think like. I, I, I get this weird, and I've got nothing to base this on, but I get this impression from Potter, just from this sort of like steely personality that I see from him, that I feel like while he's not a big name, he's someone that big names would listen to. I feel like in the dressing, like, I don't know, this, this vibe I get off him in like post-match interviews and stuff, he just seems all business. And I reckon he's the type of person that like if anyone acted up to him, he'd just be like, he'd just like quietly stare them down and be like, sit down. Like, this is how he plays, this is how I do things. Yeah. If you don't like it, you can leave. Well, I, I just I feel like he's like very like low key intimidating. Yeah, I think that's sort of the vibe I'm going for. Yeah, I've, I, and I've heard that he's he's a good like man manager as well. And and again, it just always comes back to experience. I think he sort of would understand how to sort of demand that respect, like you say. So yeah. So yeah, Brighton, Brighton killing, it. I just love him. <laughs> Brighton killing it, and Graham Potter deserves uh, more hype. Yeah. Uh, agreed on both fronts. Plaudits. Um Arsenal and Wolves. I just think like they're around about where I think they should be. As I don't feel like like I think I'd rather t- speak on them in like a month or two, just to see if like the good run that both their teams are on because they're both on unbeaten runs at the moment, just to see if those turn into anything or if they don't. I reckon Arsenal have really turned a corner. And you, I, remember, I think it was two weekends ago now, we were at Welcome to Bronzer, and I said, Arsenal have actually got the pieces to be good and it's going to turn around. You might have. <laughs> I was very drunk that day, but you might have. <laughs> I did say that. I did say that. <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, like, I, I, I'm... I'm I, I really think there's some momentum behind them now. And you just look at the squad and there are the players there to sort of push them forward. Yeah, look... I am quietly becoming more and more confident. Like, but like, I'm reluctant to buy into it because of how many because I've been hurt before. But <laughs> because of how many times Arsenal have let me down in the past. But all the signs point to it finally starting to happen. Like, 
with the win against like I know with the win against Leicester that was the Ramsdale show and our defense did look a little bit but like Leicester are a really good team like exactly uh, you and need, you need your keeper to do that and like games. yeah so yeah exactly I mean you need you need like a, 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 a very good keeper to win in this league and Ramsdale despite what everyone said about us forking out twenty five million pounds or whatever on him has proved pretty much every single doubt are wrong and 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 it's kind of i remember saying this before the season i said he's got some issues with um that he had at uh sheffield about like his positioning at times and also his potential to like uh parry shots into the path of others but like his just general shot stopping and his distribution is really good and those things have been highlighted to be so good and the other issues of like him his positioning not being so great and his uh, parrying shots not always out of danger's way haven't been that much of a factor because up until the Leicester game he hadn't really had to face that much shots because he'd been behind admittedly a a much better back four much better back line easily a a way better defence yeah and like Arsenal yeah yes first three games defensively solid but we didn't have our full back four for that first four games and since then Tommy Asu White Gabriel and then Tini or Tavares have been, I've been really solid. Like I can't fold them. Like I, like yeah, Gabriel has been a rock, and White like almost every week now is is being solid, and and also has like one marauding run where he runs from centre back into like attacking midfield. Yeah, I think I saw one of those. Like and like yeah, Tommy Asu is just like like absolutely blowing uh, Emerson Royale out the water in terms of right-back signings that were made on deadline day. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I just think for, for a back four that's played, I don't know how many, but less than 10 games together, it, it is starting to gel. And I think yeah. you can see that. And then, yeah, last thing I'll say is, um, yeah, and then it's he's finally decided that, like, Pepe, until he proves himself, is not worth starting over Saka and Smith-Rowe, and Saka and Smith-Rowe are just proving every week why they need to be the people that are starting. And... Uh, he's picking player. He's picking. He's if a player plays well, he picks him again, which he wasn't always doing last season. He had he seemed to have this weird sort of favourites with Willian and Pepe and stuff, and he wasn't picking players who were playing well. Lacquer plays well one week, he's in, and he changed formation to suit that, and it, and it seems to be working. So, look, here's here's hoping it continues. I, but I think is and, and and even looking at sorry, it's okay, no, no, sorry no. to keep it going, no, but it's fine. <laughs> I think looking back at last season, he had some things just blow up in his face that were very difficult. He took Willian from Chelsea, who everybody considered essentially world-class, though maybe a little bit old, and he just absolutely did nothing. And then he had Aubameyang, who, again, every, most people consider world-class, completely shat the bed. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it was difficult last season. I think nah, he's for sure. showing that he's a half-decent manager. So, yeah, um, here we go. Uh, let's hope it continues. <laughs> um, last few things I want to touch... Do we want to touch on Everton? I just think... I w- the one thing I'd say is that I don't think they'll be in the top 10 come the end of this season. You don't? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think... I reckon it's, it's, it's starting to peter off into... Rafa's going to get sacked soon. The last two games, I can't remember what... But I think we've shipped at least eight goals... Um, I don't know, but you have that, been that, that solidity that sort of was showing early in the season is I don't think really there anymore. But like you have been ravaged by injuries, yeah. Like no DCL, no Richardson until just recently. Uh, no De- no Decure, uh, no um, like centre backs different every week. 
like uh, left back, like Ben Godfrey playing right back and left back. Like no Dinya now for like it doesn't seem like. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, it's we, a hard situation. To, to be fair, we have been ravaged by injuries, and one of the goals against Wolves, like you say, was Ben Godfrey playing at left back for me potentially the first time. Yeah, and he, and he put a really bad back pass to Holgate, a centre centre back who's just not up to it. So for sure, there's there's injury issues, but as we've been saying since the start of the season, if it starts going a little bit wrong for Rafa, the fans are going to turn on him quickly. So. Yeah. I, don't, I think Rafa will be gone by the end of the season and we won't be in the top 10. I think... But I'm quite I pessimistic think, at the moment. I think where Everton are right now is where they'll finish. I had Everton finishing 10th in my predictions and from what I've seen, if the, I think Dukure is projected to be coming back a little bit earlier than he was. If, if And this is a big if. If Dukure can come back and if the team, the core of the team can stay fit for the, for the majority of the season, I think they'll finish around 10th. And then I... And I hope they stick with Rafa, and I think hopefully that he gets some backing in the next transfer window, and maybe even some transfers in January. But like, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't think any higher than tenth, but I, I don't, I think they're good enough to to beat and beat out the rest of the teams below them, except for maybe Leicester. They might finish eleventh, but yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm feeling quite pessimistic yeah. at the moment. So we're playing into it. That's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Leicester. Um, uh, they're up and down, but I think they'll be much higher than where they are now. Uh, I think they'll they'll push to top eight at least. Um, I don't know. Like I just think Brandon Rogers has just got to sort out one or two things, and they'll be fine. I think. I like like they like I know they lost to us on the weekend, but like they've been slowly getting better. So I think it's not much to report there. I think they'll be better than where, where they are now. But then last few things I want to touch on. Uh, who out of What's left? Do we think is going to get relegated? I think Norwich, Norwich obviously. Norwich, Norwich yeah. nailed on. Norwich nailed on. I don't think Newcastle will. I think they'll they will get a manager and they will invest in January and that will that will just push them out of the relegation zone, which leaves two spots. I think Burnley are gone personally. I think this is just one season too many for Sean Dyche with the squad he has. I think. Ooh. I think Watford will go down. Because that's something we talked about too. Like, they were the first team to sack their manager this season. Again, after like eight games. Yeah. And they've got, that's, Cla- that's they've they got Claudio Ranieri now. Dilly ding, dilly dong. But, um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. To, to be honest, I don't see it in their squad. I, I think they'll probably go down. I think Burnley might just stay up. Who Who's getting relegated then if they, go, if they stay up? That's where it gets tricky. <laughs> you, think, you think Leeds are going down? I almost want to see Leeds go down so the Calvin Phillips goes to the <laughs> um, So, yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> I think Leeds... I think Bielsa will just have one... Uh, like, will have one little thing up his sleeve and will just avoid relegation. I think Dyche has that. He's done it so many times. But I, swear, I just think it's just one too many times. Like, he's done it... He's had... He's done... Made the most with nothing for so long. And I just think it's time... For them to get relegated first, and for him to go to a new team, like he's a Premier League manager. Like, say we want about his play style, it's gets results, and he he does his manager that deserves more backing in a, in another Premier League team. Like he's the type of person I think a newly promoted team should go for if they don't want to stick with their manager. Yeah, hundred percent. He's definitely Premier League quality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, I'm gonna say Norwich, Burnley. 
and um, you know what? I'm gonna stick with Southampton. Southampton. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, they've been good and they've gotten some results, but I just, I think. I think I think Hasenhuhl was one of the better managers. Yeah, out of, that's out right. Of all those, out of all those ones. I just don't want to see Claudio Ranieri go down. But uh, no, no, no. I, I, that's just um, that's my heart talking. Okay, if my head's talking, yeah, it's it's Norwich, Burnley, Watford. But yeah, yeah. And my only difference is uh, United related. So, so yeah, uh, you going Norwich leads Watford? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, that means only one of the promoted teams will stay up, which is. Brentford, and they deserve to. Based that's on a good the, manager. Based, yeah, that's a really good manager. Whatever his name is, I forget. But yeah, I is of the same ilk as a Hasenhutl and a Klopp and German efficiency. <laughs> I don't but, think he's German actually. Oh, he's not German. I think he's Norwegian. Oh well. <laughs> also quite efficient. There, there we go. Scandinavian efficiency. They make great furniture. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that's been our triumphant return to the podcast game. Uh, look for us to we're be. Back, baby. We're back, baby. Look for us to be uh, continuously back as we try and find some semblance of the rhythm again uh, around about this time every week. Um, and yeah, uh, we'll see you next week when hopefully Newcastle have pulled their finger out and decided to sign a manager. <laughs> and follow us on Spotify and Instagram. That too. 40 yard at switch. That's not it. <laughs> That's not it. But you know the drill. Anyway, uh, thanks, guys. We'll see you later.